Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. Um, I debated sharing the whole beginning in Acts and, and sharing several verses with you. I, I want you to do that on your own time. It, it leads up to, but uh, simply write out it. These are Jesus' words. He said this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Wow, this day and age that we live in, so many people have just passed things off. But I want to remind you that we're living in the same dispensation of grace today as when Pentecost occurred. Many people have, have discarded that. God has not said, hey, I, I, I want you to be, you can be if you like to. Every day you and I are witnesses. And it's tough now, but receive it. We're either drawing people to him or we're pushing him away. If we know Jesus Christ, you've got to facilitate that. And I just want to share with you some thoughts along the lines of witnessing. God's witness protection program. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise and glory in advance the way you'll use us. Uh, we just want this time to be your time, Lord. We want um, our words to be yours and our thoughts to be yours. And most of all, every one of us, including myself, would walk in obedience as we realize afresh and anew that it's not optional to be a witness of Jesus Christ. If we know you, then we're your witness. God, bring glory and honor to yourself, and we'll be careful to give you the praise, for we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. <laughs> Today we're, we're continuing the action part of the ladder, if you will. Um, show you that this morning. It, it's, it, it's unique. Um, the, it's, it's both in the, the, the ninth now, is the, the physical ladder, uh, we've got one more next week. You know, it's mentoring, and after that, we're going to put it somewhere. We're going to come up with a place where people can see. We can send them to it if people are wondering. But it's exciting to realize that we're actually putting a, a face and a name, maybe a visual, literal visual, to help people say, okay, how am I supposed to grow in Christ? What does that look like? What does a disciple of Jesus Christ look like? And, and so we, we shared with you last time we were together about it's, in, it's superb in God's Word when we, when we serve in His world. And so today we're continuing that in the arena of witnessing. And what does that look like? Uh, witnessing. Um, you know, <laughs> something along those lines, we, we paid tribute to a family in our first service. Many of you would know uh, Tiffany and Van Williams. Um, they are a phenomenal couple in our church and, and uh, have done a lot for Lakeshore Church, and many, many people love them. But uh, they, they were the winners. At our Easter outreach, we had 719 people. Uh, that attended worship on Easter Sunday, uh, the biggest crowd that East, uh, Lakeshore's ever had at church, uh, we understand, in one gathering, one, one, one day. And um, with that in mind, we put out that we would recognize the family uh, that uh, had the most, the person that had the most people here. And uh, they had nine families with them on Easter. And uh, so with that in mind, I want to tell you that, that our next thing is in two weeks, it's Mother's Day. Uh, another one of those celebratory days. I know it's not exciting for everybody. It, it never ceases to amaze me. I'll hear a story, and it just breaks my heart. I already heard one this year about how Mother's Day, a lot of time through loss, and maybe somebody didn't live up to their responsibilities or those types of things. But Mother's Day is a great day for us to celebrate, and we're going to do some great things that day that we've never done before. Some staple things, we're still going to give away some gifts that day, but we're going to do some other things that we'll unveil on, on Mother's Day. And I want you to be here and invite somebody to be with you. Uh, have your family here with you. It's a great day. Uh, we clean up well as, as church, and so we'll do that uh, on Mother's Day, and that's coming, all right? A great understanding when it comes to witnessing. It's just another one of those times. One of my favorite preachers of the modern era, I uh, enjoy listening to him preach, just a, a traditional pastor I'm talking about, but depth when it comes to prophecy, 
Uh, David Jeremiah is one of my favorites. I mean, I could just listen to him for hours on end. He, he has, and I have one of those voices. People pick me out, you know, but my voice is nothing like David Jeremiah's. And uh, about witnessing, this is what David Jeremiah said, and I want to share with you. He said, if we understand what lies ahead for those who do not know Christ, there will be a sense of urgency in our witness. If we truly understood what is coming for those who do not know Christ, there should certainly be an urgency in our witness. My pastor who's been in heaven for years, I can't wait to see him again. He used to say that one of the problems with people is they get over being saved. (laughs) I heard that so many times in my life growing up. People get over being saved. And they forgot about the joy. And somehow or another we got, you know, old and crusty over it, okay? And the tears don't flow anymore. and We don't really get excited. And sometimes we need to return to that. But I also believe there's another dynamic, not just people get over being saved. I think sometimes we get used to people being lost. Somehow or another we've gotten... Maybe we've heard it so much, or it's just reality. Maybe we've changed the playing field. Maybe we think that it's not the way God said it is in his word. But God called us to be witnesses. Hmm. I don't know about you, but the last words are very important. Um, I've been here long enough. I, I was reminded in, in April every year when I started a new year. My, my first Sunday was Palm Sunday uh, of April of 2011. And so every year in April, I began a new year of, of serving here as the uh, senior pastor, and, and, and uh, I was thinking about last words. I really fought this because it would take too much of my sermon time. I thought about the people that I've been by their bedside when the last conversation I had with them. I thought about some, and I could name several, and some are coming to mind right now, and I'm fighting it with everything about me. And when you have conversations like this might be it, and if it is, I, I, I love to say the word envious. I, I've told many people on their deathbed that I'm envious of what you're fixing to see. Uh, I know death is, is tough, and, and it's the last enemy on this life, and, and I've seen it. I've seen the struggle. You have too, and, and we're going through that with some people now, and it's tough. And in, even in my own family, I see things that are breaking my heart. It, God made us to be creatures of life, and because sin, and, and I'll unpackage a little bit of that in a minute. I think we get it all mixed up thinking God's doing all this to us. But in reality, I, the last words mean something now, and, and I put a lot of stock in the last thing somebody would say to me. It's the last time we're going to be together for a while, or maybe it's, a, it's a, an eternal thing, and they're fixing to step out into eternity. But I want to remind you that Acts 1.8, listen to me. Everybody listening? Those were the last words of Christ to us before he ascended. And so if we put emphasis and we put importance on last words, we must put importance on these words. And in those words, you'll see them again in Acts 1.8. He was telling us, what did he say? You're going to have power. But yet I'm reminded today that it says one of the signs of the church of the end times, one of the, one of the characteristics is they would have a form of godliness but little power. So it tells me that we can name it and we can claim it, but it's not really on display in our life. We hope we have enough to get to heaven, but are we really marking for him before we get there? But he said, but you will receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And he was referring to Pentecost. They were going to go to the upper room for 10 days. If you remember how it goes, the angels appeared and said, why are you standing here looking up into heaven? Go do what he told you to do. And so, but after that, we live in that same day to day. You will be witnesses. And I have a lot. There's a lot that I've studied about Acts 1-8 through the years. It's it's a whole cross behind you on your right or to your right or behind you that, that sums it up. That there are four areas, and, and, and he said, and he was, if you know where he was talking, if, if you go in your Bible and look, 
You'll find that Acts 1-8, if you have some maps in the back, if you still have one of those Bibles that used to do that, mine still has it, is that you'll find that he was in one space, and when he said Jerusalem was right there, and Judea was a little further out, and Samaria was a little further out, and to the ends of the earth. So what Jesus was saying is, you and I will be witnesses, not maybe, not hope so. We're either good or bad witnesses, and we will be in every area of our life. We will be a witness for Jesus Christ. Do you receive that? Do you get it? More than Mary Jane, do you get it? Everybody get it? Give me one of these if you're not a yes or an amen We will be. Is it time for the invitation? How good a witness are you? Some say, oh, Brother Jay, it doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it does. Because listen to me. We're either drawing them. We're either putting a taste in their mouth that I want a little bit of that. (laughs) Or we're going, hmm. And folks, I've heard it. I've actually been guilty a few times that people said, if he's a Christian, I don't want anything of it. Hmm. You will be witnesses. See, it's the action part of that, of that ladder. It, it says that, okay, I'm becoming a disciple of Christ, therefore I'm showing Christ to other people. Oh, let me unpackage it. When I think about being a witness, and you and I are called to do that, I want to give you just some simple things to remember. First is this, you, you ha- it has to be real in your own life. Have you ever met somebody who's trying to give you something and sell you something that they're not even believing in it themselves? Hmm. I told people I, I wouldn't be a good car salesman. I've only had two or three types of cars. So if I was a used car salesman and there was a bunch of cars out there, there's no way I could really be sold that I'm trying to sell somebody a car. And if you're a car salesman, please know that I don't have a problem with you. You probably need to get right for line yesterday. But anyway, I, I have to tell you this. I, and I hope there's none in the church. Last time I said that in the church, there was about seven. But I'm cutting up. But seriously, is that we need to understand we're a witness. And we're sharing that with other people. And if, we're, if it's not real to us, it will never be real to them. That's the point. If we're trying to give away something that's really not real to us, you have to have been there. In the judicial world, I ran this by a lawyer this morning. She said, you're spot on. She said, in the judicial world, if somebody walks up and they're a witness, and so what did you see? Well, I didn't see much. Well, you're dismissed. To be a witness, it's got to be real to you. You have to see something and know something and have to been there. I was there. (laughs) Some say, Brother Jay, you're so enthusiastic. I'll tell you why. Because I was a nobody and met a somebody. Mm, I'm assured for heaven as if I was already there. You don't have to scream and holler at them when you witness to them, okay? But it's got to be real to you. I wrote it down like this. It must be real in us to share it with someone else. It's got to be real. And a lot of times we're, we're giving away something and a lot of times it's not real. And what I mean by real is, is it up to date in your own life? So it's got to be real. Secondly, it's got to be relevant to the matter. Again, in the judicial world, a, a witness has got to be relevant. If it's not relevant to the case, they don't want to hear it. What is the case today? That's really it. People dismiss us quickly when we're not relevant, folks. I try real hard to try to connect the dots between the Word of God and 2023. I try to make it real to you. Some people, I don't think politics, and I don't think the world needs to be in sermons. I think we just need to have a little homily and a little Bible story. No, that doesn't work for me. I want somebody to give me something I can take, and it's relevant to the world that I live in. I don't want Jesus of 2,000 years ago. I want Jesus of today. And the tomb is empty, and he lives. And you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. It's got to be relevant to today. People dismiss when it's not. We don't have time for all that carrying on. People are asking, they say the preacher, the, the average preacher has the answers, but he doesn't, they're not, he's not answering the right questions for people today. How does this apply? 
I want to take a minute and remind you of what is relevant today. Everybody listening. What is relevant today is that when Adam and Eve were created, Adam and Eve sinned, and that sin, because of humanity, was passed down to every one of us. We're all sinners. That's what's relevant. And if we're all sinners, then we got to have a remedy for our sin, and the only remedy is Jesus Christ. That's what's relevant. Now, people can spin it any way they want to, and we can come up with good dogs and good people go to heaven. A good dog's got a better chance of going to heaven than a good person. Do you know that? That'll make you feel better about that dog you've had all these years. Good dogs, good people don't go to heaven. Blood-bought people go to heaven. That's what's relevant. That's what we need to be telling. That's what we need to be witnessing to. When somebody compliments you, you ought to make it relevant to your life. When somebody talks about what you're going through and how in the world can you have peace, it's because you know the peace that passes all understanding that Jesus provided for you. Hmm, it's good. We're all sinners. And every one of us, this is what's relevant. Everybody's going to die. Early in ministry, that's such a downer, isn't it? Early in ministry, I had an elderly individual that challenged me on, on that subject. That's what he told me. You have enough faith, Brother Jay, to believe God will hear you every time. I said, every time? He said, every time. And I could tell you a lot of lighthearted stuff that I had to learn and all that and sort of make it light, but I'm going to keep it serious today. I remember I struggled with that as a young pastor. I was 22 years old. And I remember I'd go in my prayer closet and say, God, have you left something out? I need something else. I, I don't know. And then I find things in the Word of God like Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. And it reminds me that when we see things and realize sometimes we need to put it up against the Word of God. Can God heal you? Will God heal you? Yes, but you're still going to die. One day, this mortal body is going to give up the breath, and we're going to step out into eternity. I didn't say that. The Word of God says it. We've yet to find a person that's, that's avoided it. Not one. If they did, I would have invited him or her to be here this morning. They probably would have looked pretty rough, I would imagine. But they're not there. It's appointed unto man wants to die. And so when I talk about relevancy is this. If we're all going to die, then i got to be ready when I do die. You following me? Listen to me. That's what's relevant. <laughs> How many of you know the name Ted Williams? Would you raise your hand? You can put him up. I'm not going to call you down or call you out. Ted Williams, there he is. Greatest baseball hitter that there ever was. Last Major League Baseball player to bat 400. I'm a Atlanta Braves fan. Acuna is batting about 360-something right now, but he got a lot more games to go. 400. If you don't understand baseball, it doesn't mean much to you. They pay guys millions and millions and millions of dollars to bat 300, which is three hits out of 10. They still make seven outs out of 10 bat at bats. 400. Great guy. I mean, man, I remember when he was getting elderly and, and, and they brought him out. I remember All-Star Game. You might remember it. They brought him out on a golf cart. His health was failing. People like Tony Gwynn, who is since deceased. Tony Gwynn, one of the greatest hitters ever, was putting his hand on him. I mean, it was like he was royalty when it came to hitting. He said, what does this have to do with anything? Do you know the rest of Ted Williams' story? This is so bad to put a name out there, and that's a face. It's out on Facebook. Probably get me in trouble. I'll probably hear from the Ted Williams family today. They came up with this idea. It's called cryonics. You can look it up. Where upon your death, they decapitate you, and they put you in a place in Arizona in liquid nitrogen and preserve your body. Hoping that the day will come that technology, humans' technology, science will catch up with them so they can resurrect them and they can be a family again. 
you thought you had trouble. True story. Ted Williams, decapitated, is somewhere in liquid nitrogen in Arizona as I speak. He's also lost a son, I believe, to death, and they did that to him too. So they can be resurrected. Let me tell you what's relevant, folks. There's a resurrection. It ain't got nothing to do with chronics. Do you hear me? Hmm. Jesus was put in the ground, and three days later he came out of the ground resurrected. And because he lives, you and I, the resurrection has been passed to you and me if we trust him as our Savior. And today I am assured for heaven as if I was already there, not because of what Jay Frazier ever did, but because of what Jesus Christ did for me, and I've taken him at his offer. That's what's relevant. And listen to me, church. We witness to people about everything going on. We need to witness to people about that. Amen? Give me one more to be a witness. There's also a reach that's involved. You can't just keep it to yourself and it's going to ooze off on other people. I think there comes a time that you share it and you care enough about somebody to talk to them about it. Hmm. I do think we reach out. God's called us to be witnesses, but that witnesses, if you remember, was in every department. Everywhere you go, you need to be a witness. You need to share that with people. It, it needs to be part of your DNA. To wait for someone to come to you is not the way God's called us. I love the verse in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, But in your hearts regard Christ as Lord. The Lord is holy. We heard that somewhere in a song today, didn't we? <laughs> Bless our heart. Ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asked you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Hmm. I think I've been a pretty good guy in my life, but that's not my hope today. I have a wife that still loves me after 33 years. Pretty good. That's not my hope today. I got three kids. <laughs> God even left one of them here last year, over a year ago now. But that's not my hope. I have a calling on my life to pastor, to sit where I'm sitting right now and proclaim the word of truth to other people, to be a pastor that God put on my life as, as a calling. But that's not my hope today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Do you follow me? See, people think I'm going to barter my way in. I'm going to bargain my way in. I'm going to buy my way in. No, 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 no. No, he's already bought it. He paid the price. Now you and I take him at his offer, and it's a free gift. Listen to this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You know why it's a gift? Because Jesus paid it. Somebody else pays when it's a gift. All to him I owe. Listen to this. I just want you to see it. To witness is natural in Christ and the Holy Spirit. I got to wind down, but it's going to take a little while. I want you to see some things. I want to have a good time too. This, this really went over. I, people laughed. I laughed. We, and we cried. I want to give you some simple ways to witness today. <laughs> the first one is this. is The way you witness is the way you live. It matters. And May the 21st is going to be a great Sunday here. It's going to be the week after Mother's Day. We're actually having lunch here. We're going to have dinner on the ground. You remember, if you've been in church for years, remember when you used to have lunch at church? Dinner on the grounds, you go out. And church I grew up in, we had a bunch of concrete tables underneath an arbor. And man, we it was good now. I'm talking about I'm talking about some eating. What none of this stuff we're gonna pay for this afternoon. I don't mind it, but I'm so tired of eating places. You know what I'm talking about? Man, we're gonna have and we're gonna bring it's gonna be great on the twenty first. But part of the twenty first, we're having baptisms. We got several lined up. You've not been baptized, or maybe there's some issues you want to talk about it, we wanna to talk to you about it. And, and we're gonna recognize new members on the twenty first, and then we're gonna eat together after the the, 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 everything's over. It's going to be a great day. 
And the reason I share that with you is, is on that day, on baptism as church members, what we're saying to other people is this the, is the way we live. The way we live matters. It's a witness. For, to hear somebody say, hey, I go to Lakeshore, that matters. It's who we are. The way we live matters. And today it seems like we're trying to be so seeker sensitive and everybody else, let's just all get along. God's called us to be separate. <laughs> you know, he's called me to be different. Not just because I'm in the ministry. Every one of us are witnesses. He's called us to be there. So the way we live, it matters. Secondly, what we say matters. Hmm. Huh. Scripture says in Psalm 107 too, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. <laughs> say so. What we say matters. And, and, and we think sometimes we can separate them. But listen to me. Listen, you got to receive this. You got to love me. We're in this thing together. What I say matters. People say, well, Brother Jay, you just don't know what I deal with. Well, you don't know what I deal with either. This is going to hurt a little bit. If a pastor could get away with cussing, y'all would have made me cuss several times. And I'm talking about you. Don't push it to somebody else. But I don't think it'd fly too well if you heard me cuss this next week. Is that not truth? I know church members through the years, it's going to get me in a lot of trouble. I know church members that have gone out, and not our church, it was another denomination. I know church members, listen, this is a true story. I can tell you the name right now of the pastor and the church. I wouldn't do it for less than $500. But he lost his church because he decided he was going to run with the boys in the church and started drinking and talking and cussing, cussing all like they were doing. And one day one of them got mad at him and they took it to the board and they fired him for what he was doing. True story. I'm lying, I'm dying. It matters. I'm not out to get you. Does it matter? Listen, let me tell you, I tell people, it's been over 30 years since I cussed. Okay? Have I thought about it? Oh, yeah. I used to do youth ministry. <laughs> yeah. I'm married, got kids. <laughs> but you got to stop it somewhere from here to there. Just because it comes in your head ain't got to come out your mouth. Listen to me very carefully. But you know how I knew I could without it, go without it? Because I never cussed around my mama. I just had the privilege. I drove about eight hours one way to, to go to a birthday party for my mother. She's 85. She's frail. And I think she knew I was me some of the time. She's probably watching this. going to get me in trouble. But I always knew I could do without. Because I never did then. And I'll tell people this, if you can go without doing it 10 minutes, I know you can do 10 hours. If you can do 10 hours, you can do 10 days, you can do 10 days, you can do 10 months, you can do 10 years. Do we fail? Yeah, we fail, but get up. Don't make it something that doesn't witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. Are you following what I'm saying? I know I'm plowing deep this morning. But people say, oh, it doesn't matter the way I live. It doesn't matter the way I say what I say. Yes, it does. Because every day I'm either drawing you closer to him or I'm pushing you away. Have I failed miserably? Yes, I'm a competitive person. I coached baseball for several years, and I have a commanding voice. But you got to be aware that we're supposed to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Have you heard of yet enough yet? <laughs> I got two more. What we wear matters. Oh, there he goes. Him hoes hair and television. I knew it was coming. What we wear matters. First Timothy, put it up here, guys. It's up here. Also, the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing, with decency and good sense, not with elaborate exercise and gold and pearls, expensive wear. On and on it goes. Paul was tearing Timothy. This is what the church is supposed to be about. We don't want to talk about that now. 
me tell you something. Listen to me. I've said this for years. Men go give an account for lusting, but women are going to give account for not covering it up. I heard a ooh. I believe it. It matters what we wear. And say, so I'm going to make this. This is not just about what you, clothes you got on today. I'm saying, listen, we're witnessing, folks. The way I live matters. Amen? The way we talk matters. Amen? I said amen. What I wear matters. It matters. Hmm. You know? If it's doing like that, I probably need to move up. If you didn't see that, I'm sorry. Let me talk about wearing one other way. How many of you right now, a necklace, earring, something on your body right now, you have a cross. Would you raise your hand? Raise it up. Up, up, up. Okay. Many. I don't know. third of the people here. Let me tell you this. When's the last time you put that necklace on or that earring that you thought about what it represents? Hmm. Aren't we guilty sometimes that we don't think about it? It's the next thing we put on. It's this or that or the other. And let me tell you something. Every day. I'm going to cry. Every day, you and I are witnesses. I don't even want to think about standing in front of the Lord and God saying, Jay, they didn't want me because of the way you lived. When you showed out, they didn't want it. I called you to be a witness. You stand in the shadow of the cross. Quit being about Jay. It's about me in every area of your life. What we wear matters. What we say matters. The way we live matters. Church, quit excusing it. I'm saying that for me. We want to impact our community for Christ. Quit excusing the things in our life that don't bring glory and honor to God. He called us to carry the cross to other people. We spend all our time talking about grace and love instead of what kind of life can I live and what kind of words can I say that bring glory and honor to Him. Please receive it. God's called us to be a witness for Him. And then one more is my favorite. You think, oh my gosh, what's left? This is my favorite. And I just put it this way. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Simple ways to witness. Thank you, Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, give thanks in all things. I don't think I've ever told anybody this before the first service. We drove over Zane's accident. We got there that morning, January the 9th. Year, almost a year and a half ago. We walked into the hospital. Let me preface it by saying this. Suzanne has an uncle that's in heaven today that watched his wife day by day pass away with brain cancer. His name was Eldridge Burrell. His wife's name was Joyce. Some of the best folks God ever gave me to pastor early in ministry. They spoke so much into my life. But she, when she was dying, I would have a testimony time. It was just us four and no more in the little church where I pastored it. Eldridge B. Rail would stand up and every time he would say, I don't know why this is happening to my wife, the love of my life. But I give thanks. Not because I want to. Not because of just my hurt. 
and I say things I don't like, but because God's word says for me to. What does giving thanks in something? When we were at that window, they wouldn't let us into Zayn's room. He had COVID. It was a glass wall, and they let us just see him. He was all hooked up, and there's all kind of emotions. I stood there all by myself after talking to the nurse, and this is what I said to the Lord. Lord, I don't know why, but I give thanks. I give thanks because I know you're still God. You haven't left me. You haven't gone anywhere.